So this week we kick off our Advent preaching series where we're focusing on the Messiah and we are looking at four different things that will describe who this King, this Jesus is as the Messiah. And as we stand here in 2016 Advent, we look back some 2,000 years to Jesus' first Advent when the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And he came and was the one whom John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. That was Jesus' first advent on this earth. He came as the Lamb to take away the sin of the world. And we stand here today looking back at that. And that fuels our hope. We've been singing about that this morning. The fact that we can... can joyfully report that the king of love my shepherd is because he has purchased our salvation he has made us his king by adopting us into his family by canceling the record of debt for our sin and he did that by becoming a lamb and sacrificing himself to make perfect payment as our substitute for sin so we can rejoice so we look back at Jesus first advent as we look forward into the future at some date that you and I just don't know when he will come again, and when he comes again, he will come as a shepherd. That's the focus of today. We'll be looking at Jesus being a shepherd that is coming. Next week, we'll look at a different passage, and we'll focus on the fact that a better temple is coming. On the 18th, we'll look at a third passage, and we'll look at and recognize that a son is coming. And on Christmas Eve, we'll spend our time focusing on the fact that God himself is coming. So those are the four aspects of this Messiah who we are waiting for, longing for. And as we do, we're we're sympathetic with the saints of old who were receiving these prophecies that we'll look at this morning. Back in hundreds of years before Jesus actually came in the flesh. We'll sympathize with them and we'll we'll recognize and, and understand what it... We certainly know the pains of this world. And we know the longing that we have in our own hearts for these pains to be in our rearview mirror. And that day is coming. And it's with with this in mind that we'll listen to and we'll hear these prophecies again. And we'll long for these things that are painful to us today, these woes that we have, to be gone. And we'll echo with the Apostle John who in Revelation 22 when Jesus says, Surely I am coming quickly. The Apostle John said, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. We long for the return of Jesus, and we long for him because we long for him to be a shepherd for our souls. So today we'll start by looking at Isaiah 40, and we'll look at the first 11 verses of Isaiah 40. So why don't you turn in your Bibles there, and while you're turning, we'll focus on the fact that these verses help us understand what it means to receive or to be prepared to receive the Messiah, Jesus, as the coming shepherd. And before we do that, I think we'll need to, as I mentioned earlier, we'll need to understand the nature of sheep. Who are the, what, what, is, what are sheep like? Because if we are the sheep of God, right, the sheep of his pasture, we need to know what are we like? And secondly, we want to know what are the responsibilities of a shepherd? So, first of all, let's go into sheep 101. I don't know, I actually took a sheep production class when I was in my undergrad, but um, that was a 300-level class. What I'm about to give you is only about a 100-level class, just because of the source that I'm using. 
Uh, I'm literally going to cite a website called cheap101.info. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so this is from an experienced shepherd, but, uh, and it's reliable information, but take it for what it's worth. The nature of sheep, one, the thing you need to know is that they have a strong flocking instinct. They like to be together. And they think together collectively. They act together, not independently. And because of this, they readily follow one another. When one sheep goes down a path, the others will just follow n- nose to tail, after one after the other. We have a little bit of a photo here that, that shows what that can look like. So you see we got one sheep out here up front, and the rest are just following him as he wanders through the, through the pasture. So one, they have a strong flocking instinct. Two, they readily follow one another. Three, they're rather defenseless. They don't have sharp teeth. They're not particularly fast. They're Big in stature, so to speak. They're fluffy. It's easy to grab a hold of them, right? So they're relatively defenseless. And because of these things, they've gotten a reputation of being unintelligent, right? You've, you've heard people say, oh, that's as dumb as a sheep. Well, this is what um, the author who writes in sheep101.info says about, about the information of stupidness in sheep. He says, due to their strong flocking instinct and failure to act independently of one another, sheep have universally been branded as stupid. But sheep are not stupid. Their only protection from predators is to band together and follow the sheep in front of them. If a predator is threatening the flock, this is not the time to act independently. Well, that sheds some light on the the nature of stupidity, right? And I think the church, as the flock of God, has a thing or two to learn, because how often do we find ourselves getting in trouble, threatened by a predator, and then we leave the flock? Things get uncomfortable in our church, and we just bolt, and we try to find another flock, not realizing that as we're doing that, we're becoming more and more vulnerable, because now we're alone. Anyway, lastly, the thing that you need to know about sheep is that they're very curious, And sometimes their curiosity can overcome their instinct to flock together and it can lead them off into all sorts of peril and trouble. They can get lost and things like that. So that's your orientation on sheep. That's sheep 101. That's what you need to know. They have a strong flocking instinct. They readily follow one another. They're defenseless. They've got a reputation of being unintelligent, but they really aren't that unintelligent. They do what they need to do to uh, protect themselves against predators, but they do need help and they're very curious. Uh, On the other thing, what we need to do is we need to understand what the responsibilities of a shepherd are. So the orientation to sheep is a one-on-one level. We're going to call this a 501 level class because the source I'm going to use is the Bible. Okay, I think that's a little higher source than using that website that I just referenced. And some things that that if you want to take some time later today, you could read a few passages and, and just ask yourself the question, what are the responsibilities of a good shepherd? If you read 1 Samuel 17, which is the story of David and Goliath, you'll listen to David give a defense for his credentials for why he wants to take on Goliath. If you read um, Ezekiel 34, you will hear the prophet Ezekiel line out the, the shepherds of Israel for dropping the ball, and you will hear God say, this is what I will do as the shepherd for my flock. And if you read John chapter 10, you'll hear Jesus call himself the good shepherd, and he'll, he'll um, help you understand that the, that good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So some things that we glean from those three passages 
about key responsibilities of a shepherd are this. A shepherd is to lead his flock of sheep. He leads them, according to Psalm 23, beside still waters, and he makes them lie down in green pastures. Sheep only lie down, by the way, when they're satisfied. When they've had enough nutrition, they're satisfied, they lie down. So a good shepherd leads his flock to, to feed them. A shepherd protects and rescues his flock from enemies. A shepherd seeks the lost when they wander off. A good shepherd retrieves the strays. A good shepherd will mend the injured. He will heal the sick. He will strengthen the weak. And a good shepherd judges his flock. And we see Jesus give give voice to this in Matthew 25 where he says at the end of the age he will judge and separate the flock, the sheep from the goats. So those who are his, who are the sheep, will be gone to one side and the goats, those who are not of his fold, will be on the other side. And he will judge in that way. And he will also judge between the sheep. And we catch a glimpse of that in 1 Corinthians 3 where Paul is talking about that judgment day where whatever works that we have offered to the Lord... Whatever building materials we have used, whether wood, hay, and stubble, or precious metals and precious stones, if it endures, like Kenny said, if we store up our treasure in heaven, if we are investing into human souls, that will endure the fire of the end of time, of judgment day. So a good shepherd judges his flock. So it's with this in mind, the nature of sheep and the responsibilities of a good shepherd, a faithful shepherd, that we turn to Isaiah 40 and we read these verses. And as we turn to them, let's pause and pray. O gracious Father, we thank you for these words. We trust you for these words. We ask that you would give us ears to hear to receive them, till the soil of our hearts and our minds to receive them as what they really are, the very words of God, and I pray that you would have your way in each of our hearts and our minds, and that we would be changed, we would be encouraged, whatever each one of us needs to receive this morning, would you please cause that to happen from your word. We humble ourselves and we submit ourselves under the authority of you, our Lord, our good shepherd, and your perfect word that endures forever. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Reading from Isaiah 40, beginning at verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and call out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, and that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up. And every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level. And the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. All flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass. And all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers 
and the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up on a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up and fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs into his arms. He will carry them in his bosom. And he will gently lead those that are with young. The word of the Lord. So this morning we focus on the coming Messiah as being a shepherd. So we'll spend much of our time looking at verse 11. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. And we will frame our time answering the question, why do we need a shepherd? Why do we need a shepherd? There are three primary reasons that this passage tells us that we need a shepherd. One, we need a shepherd to rescue us. Two, we need a shepherd to heal us. And three, we need a shepherd to lead us. So this morning, we'll start with the first answer to that question. We need a shepherd to rescue us. And we find this in verse 11. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. In order for a shepherd to gather his lambs in his arms, he first needs to know where they are. He needs to seek them out. And that might mean if he has some strays, he goes after them. And he finds them, he locates them, and he brings them back. He seeks them, he finds them, he rescues them from their greatest enemies. And the Bible is clear. It says to us in Isaiah 53 that we, like sheep, have all gone astray. Each one of us has wandered off in our own way. And the essence of that is sin. We have turned from God and His decrees and we have said, No, God, I don't trust you. My way is the way I'm going to go. I don't want to follow your way. And what that is, is it leaves us in a pit. A pit of peril. And that pit is sin. The wages of sin is death. And because of that, we need to be rescued. And it's into this very predicament that Isaiah 40 speaks. Look at verse 1 and 2. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, her iniquity is pardoned, and she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. This word came to the people of Israel, to the people of Judah, as they're in exile. They have not been faithful. They have turned away from God. And he has put them in a time out, if you will, because they have wanted to go their own way. And he says, all right, you want to go your own way? What that means is the king of Babylon will come and carry you off. You will go into exile. The first chapter of Isaiah states the problem. Mm, That's the Song of Solomon. That's not where I want to go. Verse 
Verse 4, Isaiah 1. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. So they find themselves in exile. And yet this word of hope, this word of comfort comes to them. A proclamation that their sin is forgiven, that their iniquity is pardoned, and that they have received from the Lord's hand double for all their sins. And the only way that this can happen is that the God of the universe had taken on flesh and become a lamb. So this shepherd that we are waiting to come, this Jesus who will come as a shepherd, he takes on flesh first as a lamb, and he lays down his life as a substitute for the flock and makes perfect payment for sin so that all who trust in him by faith might receive his righteousness, might have that imputed to them as he took their sin and paid for it on Calvary's cross. And because the debt is paid, rescue from death is possible. We need a shepherd to rescue us. We can't rescue ourselves. Therefore, we need a shepherd to come and rescue us. We are sheep and we tend to wander off. Our curiosity will cause us to wander off from time to time and we might fall into this pit of sin. In fact, the Bible is clear. It says all of us who have been born have wandered off and are in this pit of sin until the, the Lord rescues us out of it. It's just like a sheep wandering off and falling into a pit in the, in the uh, earth. We have a little video that shows a person who happens to have wandered past a crack in the earth and hears a sheep, and this is what he does. would you have thought that there would have been a little lamb down in that crack sometimes the curiosity of sheep will cause them to get into places that they just can't get out of and that's a beautiful illustration of our predicament as people as the the sheep of god we have fallen in a pit and we can't get out there's no way that lamb could have ever gotten out of that pit on his own it took a human agent, to lift him out. And that's Jesus. We find ourselves in the pit of sin, and our deepest, most dangerous, most threatening enemy is death, the wages of that sin. And Jesus rescues us from that. He makes perfect provision for our sin, pays the debt in full, and lifts us out of that. We need a shepherd to rescue us. So let me ask this in light of that truth. Have you recognized your need for a shepherd? Have you trusted Jesus by faith and allowed you to pull you out of that pit? I look at you and I know many of you and I know and I can rejoice with you that the answer to that question is yes. But I don't know all of you. And I certainly don't know the dark corners of your heart just like you don't know the dark corners of my heart. So as I ask that question, it's a good time, Advent 2016, for you to ponder it. And if you can honestly 
with integrity by God's grace say, yes, I have. I have responded to Jesus in faith. I have accepted him as my rescuing shepherd. That's cause for rejoice. That's why we were singing those lyrics of those songs as we worshiped this morning. But some of you might be sitting here and we don't, you don't even know what we're talking about when we ask if you responded to Jesus in faith. That mystifies you when we ask that question. And for those of you who know what that means, I don't want you to tune out here. Because it could be that the person sitting next to you needs to know Jesus, and you might be the person that needs to explain who he is and how they can trust him by faith. It could be that your family member who you will share lunch with after this service may need to know Jesus. It could be that your coworker that you will be meeting with on Monday morning needs to know Jesus, needs to be pulled out of that pit. He needs a shepherd to come and rescue him. So let me ask that question again. Have you trusted Jesus by faith? What does it mean to trust Jesus by faith? God has an answer for us here as we continue to read in Isaiah 40, verse 3. A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the tough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Isaiah is using road construction language here. He's talking about the hills being pulled down into the valleys and the soil from the hills lifting up the valleys so that there can be a straight path made through the rough terrain for the arrival of the king. And in this culture, that's what people would do when the king would go from place to place is they would construct roads that would go before him so that he would arrive. They would prepare for the king's arrival by building roads. But there's a deeper meaning going on here. The gospel writers, particularly Mark, he quotes this passage as he opens his gospel. And if you remember, if you were here when we preached through the gospel of Mark, you will remember that. Mark chapter 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And then he goes on, John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So here, this road construction language is talking about preparing our heart to receive by faith this Jesus. It's talking about the process of repentance. This heavy-duty road construction is the way that we prepare our heart. It's the essence of sin is we, we make good things ultimate things. So we take our self-identification and we tend to put a, a, a greater importance on ourselves than ought to be. We call that pride. Or the other ditch that we can fall into is we, have, we hate ourselves so much, it's called self-loathing. And what we need to do to prepare the word, our hearts for the Lord, for His arrival, is we need to repent And what that means is we agree with God in what He has said about who He is. And we agree with God about what He has said about who we are. 
And we tear down the mountains of our pride and we fill in the valleys of our self-loathing and we prepare our heart by agreeing with His truth as He's revealed it so that we can receive Him by faith. We turn away from our false identities, the things that we find our worth in, like our work or our gender or who we are in anybody's eyes, our, our tendency to people please. We turn away from that and we turn toward Jesus by faith receiving forgiveness for our sins. That's what it means to respond to Jesus by faith. So let me ask it again. Have you trusted Jesus? Have you accepted God's offer of grace by trusting Jesus by faith? That's worthy of pondering. pondering. But you might be questioning in your own mind now do I have to do this now I've got some things I'd rather do maybe I'll do that later I used to hold that position there was a time in my life where I knew the truth and I knew that I was a sinner and I knew that I needed Jesus as my savior but I was viewing sin as fun and in my my view I thought I know someday I'll need to repent, but for now I want to have some fun. I'll repent later. In fact, what might be the best case is if I just live my life and have all the fun that I can get, and then right before I die, I'll repent, and then I'll go to heaven. Well, God has a thing or two to say about that, too, from Isaiah 40. And he speaks right into that mentality as we continue to read here in verse 6. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Human flesh, life is a fragile thing. You know that. Some of you have been suffering with colds or allergies. Some of you know what it's like to, to live in fear or anxiety. Human life is fragile. We don't know if we get to live out the rest of the day, let alone another several years before we repent. What God is saying is that a day is fixed, verse 5, when the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. Judgment day is coming. And ours is a necessity to be prepared. Have we trusted Jesus by faith so that when we stand on Judgment Day, we will be able to stand because we will be shielded from the wrath of God in the blood of the Lamb? That's what it means to repent. We don't know when the breath of the Lord will blow. We don't know when He's going to bring an end to our earthly life right here. But we know that that day is coming. He's promised that it would. And His Word endures forever. There's a day of comfort coming for the faithful as they see every sin paid for and every wrong made right. Listen to Isaiah 59, verse 18. According to their deeds, so He will repay. Wrath to His adversaries, recompense to His enemies. Isaiah 35, 4 says this. Say to those with anxious heart, take courage, Fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. 
The recompense of God will come, but He will save you. So those who are in Christ, who have trusted Christ by faith, will be saved and will be rewarded for the meaningful work that we have done on this earth. But those who are apart from God still, separated from Him by their sin, will get the just due for their sin. Their recompense will be their reality, and they will be cast into outer darkness, into hell, eternity of suffering. That day is coming. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. It's a guarantee. So let me ask it one more time. Have you trusted Jesus by faith for salvation from your sins? We all need a shepherd to rescue us. If you feel the tinge of the Holy Spirit right now, prompting you to trust Jesus, just simply pray a simple prayer with me right now. Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm a lost sheep, and I need you to rescue me. Please forgive me. I trust you as my Savior. I receive you as my shepherd. Please heal me and lead me for your own glory. Amen. If you happen to pray that prayer for the first time today, tell somebody before you leave, we want to come alongside of you and help you know what it means to follow Jesus as your shepherd. We want to be a fellow sheep with you and grow with you and walk with you. We want to help you heal. We want to help you follow the Lord Jesus faithfully all the days of your earthly life. We can't do this alone. We're sheep. We need to band together. We need to allow our flocking instinct to bring us together. We need a shepherd because we need to be rescued from sin. And once we're rescued, the process of our healing can begin, which brings us to our second point. We need a shepherd because we need to be healed. Sin has 100% track record of leaving wreckage in its path. All of us are born in sin, and none of us are left untouched by sin's carnage. We all need healing. We need physical healing. We need psychological healing. We need spiritual healing. Some of you know that. Some of you walked in here carrying the burdens of that. You know what it is that you're up against. And you know what it means to be weak and frail. You know what it means to feel broken and to long to be whole again. I certainly had an encounter with my own brokenness this week over and over and over again fighting against my insecurities, fighting against um, what God has called me to do and to be. And I'm sure you know what that is like too. We all need to be healed. We're all born in sin and every one of us is broken and in desperate need of healing. And that's why we need a shepherd. We need him to, to bring us the healing. Look again at Isaiah 40 verse 11. He will gather the lambs in his arms and he will carry them in his bosom. Do you notice the tender care of Jesus the shepherd? He's the one that seeks the lost and and gathers them in his arms and then he carries them close in his chest. He knows that the lambs that he gathers are among the most frail of the flock. They're the smallest. They're the youngest, the most tender. They're the ones that are prone to fall into the cracks and be helpless. They're the ones that the the pace of the flock is set by. The flock can only move along at the pace of its smallest and weakest member. 
And Jesus moves toward these, the smallest and the weakest, the ones who need to be bound up, the ones who need to be healed, the ones who need to be strengthened, and he carries them in his own arms, promising to get them home on time in one piece. We need a shepherd because we need to be healed. Charles Simeon says this about this verse. He says, There is not one in all his flock so weak, but that he will pay the most minute attention to its necessities. He who gave so particular a charge to Peter to feed his lambs and required this of Peter as a necessary proof of his love will not himself neglect his lambs but rather will augment his tender assiduities, in other words, his attentions. I can't even say that word. He will augment his tender attention in proportion as the weaknesses of the lamb calls for a more peculiar care. He will even take it up and carry it in his bosom. This is a word of comfort to us. This is a word of hope to us in our brokenness. We need a shepherd who will bind up our brokenness, who will mend our illnesses and strengthen us in our weaknesses. God has promised to bring us safely home and he will get us there. None of us is ever too broken or too weak to fall by the wayside. For we will be gathered up in his tender arms and carried in his bosom all the way home. His strength is made perfect in our weaknesses, so our weakness becomes a display case for his strength. So don't despise your weakness. Don't think that you can't be used by God because of your weakness. For he will bind you up. He will scoop you up in his arms and he will carry you in his bosom. He intends to strengthen us and he will use other wounded sheep to make us strong. That's the awesome nature of our God. He is our shepherd, and he uses other sheep as under-shepherds. That's why we call our grace group leaders shepherds. We believe that God uses other sheep in the flock to lead people, to lead people to Jesus, to lead people toward maturity in Jesus. And we do this together. So let's be a congregation who's committed to strengthening one another. Let's be a congregation who doesn't point out one another's weaknesses to put each other down, but to strengthen each other. Believing that God can use me to strengthen you in your weakness and that God can use you to strengthen me in my weakness. That's how God works. We have a tender shepherd who does this. And I rejoice at the news of how God has been using so many of you, especially Lily Newkirk, to minister to the Johnson family in this new season of need. And others, the, the stories can be multiplied. This congregation, when, we, when our needs are greatest, this congregation rallies to one another's side, and we help. So thank you for being that kind of sheep who recognize that even in your brokenness, even in your infirmity, God can use you to strengthen another sheep. God can use you to build his flock. Which brings us to the final reason we need a shepherd. We need a shepherd because we need him to lead us. Verse 11d. And he will gently lead those that are with young. The New American Standard reads, He will gently lead the nursing ewes. A ewe 
is a female sheep of childbearing age. She's relatively mature. She's had her own lambs. And now she is walking, leading her own lambs. She's a parent. And she, because she is caring for her lambs, as the flock moves, she will only move at the pace of her lambs because she's caring for them. And she is becoming voluntarily vulnerable because that lamb is receiving most or all of his sustenance from her body. And she will only move on at the pace that the lamb can move. And God, as the good shepherd, knows this. And he will never move the flock on at a pace that will cause the lamb or its mother to be left behind. Do you remember back to our summer preaching series, The Habits of Grace, when we talked about suffering? And we talked about there's a category of suffering that we volunteer for. There's a category that we don't ask for. That's the category of sin where it always comes on us. We don't ask for it. But there's a category of suffering that we voluntarily step into when we take on the messiness of fighting sin in one another's lives. This happens in a multitude of ways. Parents becoming parents, uh, either through biological reproduction or through adoption. You volunteer. You sign up for sleepless nights. You sign up for messy diapers. You sign up for the whole package because you want to see this child raised up to know Jesus. When we come alongside of one another in a discipleship relationship, we are stepping into one another's mess. We're voluntarily becoming vulnerable. And what God is saying here is that He will never lead the flock at a pace where any of us will be left behind. He will gently lead us as we lead others. He's able to use sheep in the flock to lead other sheep in the flock. And He will lead us as we lead others. Every one of you can be used to lead another person closer to Jesus. He will gently lead you through that process. He knows the messiness that you take on when you step into it. He knows what that costs your life. He knows your fatigue. He knows your weakness. And He's with you in it. And He's promised never to abandon you there or to move you along at a greater pace than you can handle with His excellent care. We need a shepherd, Grace Fullerton. We need a shepherd who will rescue us We need a shepherd who will heal us from sin. And we need a shepherd who will lead us as we seek to lead other people to know him and to grow in him. So let's be a people who recognize our need for a shepherd. Let's be a people who are willing to be used by him to call other people and to shepherd other people in relationship with him. Let's pause right now and just spend a little bit of time praying and thinking about that. Let me pray for us. Oh Lord, we recognize our need for you. We recognize that that we can't rescue ourselves. We need a shepherd to rescue us. We thank you that you have rescued so many in this room. And Lord, we trust you for more. We ask that you would be powerfully at work gathering lambs into your fold. Give us wisdom to know what our role is in that, to step alongside of you in that work. 
We thank you that you have promised to, to bring healing for the consequences of sin to all the members of your flock. And Lord, there are those among us who really need some healing here this morning. And I pray that you, by your Spirit, would minister to that. I pray that you would give us wisdom as your under-shepherds to know how to minister to them in, in tangible ways, using your word, praying, coming alongside and meeting material needs as well as spiritual needs. So Lord, give us wisdom as a flock to be used by you to, to shepherd and, and take care of others. And Lord, we, we desperately rely on your leading we're prone to wander, to go astray, even in Christ. So would you gently lead this flock? Would you help us to humbly follow you? Would you help us to become all that you have called us to become as a people? And we pledge ahead of time, <clears throat> as you have promised to get us home, looking just like you, the glory will be yours and yours alone. Lord, this is good news that you are our shepherd, that you've come to rescue us, to heal us, and to lead us. We worship you commit ourselves to you again now in Jesus' name. Amen. There's one more thing I want us to hang, hang our hats on today, and that is in verse 9. This good news of this coming shepherd is a news that is to be heralded. Isaiah 40, verse 9. Get you up on a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up and fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. The ones who have been comforted, the flock who has been folded in, now are the ones who bear the message to the, round, the people around them. Jerusalem has received this word of comfort, and now they are commissioned by God to go out to the surrounding cities in Judah and to proclaim the good news of a coming shepherd. And that's our, that's our task today as, as a body of believers. We are sheep that have been a brought into God's fold, and we've been entrusted with truth that needs to be heralded to downtown Fullerton, to La Mirada, to the Philippines, to all around this world. So I pray that the Lord would use us and that he would build his church to that end and that that would give him much glory as he promised it would. Amen.